When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscalia. Thank you for joining me. It is the post-game episode of the week, and the Bills just defeated the Jets by a score of 32 to six, an outright thumping of the team that beat them in week one, which seemed like many, many, many moons ago based on what we saw in this game. And it was an overall get right game on a lot of different levels for the Bills, specifically for the offense, but the defense also uh, showed a bit of what they could be capable of. Although, you know, they're not going to be going up against Zach Wilson ever again, uh, which is currently the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. And it might not be current by the time you you next or you might be listening to this. Maybe they, they bench him for Tim Boyle or, or somebody uh, by the time you hear this. Regardless, the Bills did what they needed to do in this game. They go from five and five to six and five successfully collect, which was conceptually a must-win for them. It's not technically a must-win, just because still six games after this one. But this is one of those where you'd really, if you're the Bills, you really like to have this one. Because not only does it count towards the win column, but it also counts towards your AFC conference, or I'm sorry, your AFC record, in which you were, I believe, two and five heading into this game. And that conference record is a tiebreaker piece for a wild card spot. It is also a divisional victory, which can help things potentially if the Bills are in some sort of tie with the Dolphins. So. A lot went into this game for them, but they correctly did it. And of course, the big story was the offense, how it would look, how it would feel, and really what was going to be different when Joe Brady took over for the now released Ken Dorsey, because it If you listen to basically any of my shows leading up to Ken Dorsey's removal, it was pretty clear to me that there was something a bit off with the offense, whether that was, you know, schematic, predictable, inconsistency, turnovers when they could least afford them. There was 
they were just lacking that overall sharp quality and they weren't going anywhere close to their ceiling potential of what they could be in 2023, but also just on offense in 2023. Like this heading into or once the the game in London happened where they lost both Daquan Jones and Matt Milano within like, I don't know, 10 plays of one another. Then it, from that point forward, it was on the offense to be the ones that pulled this team out of out of the mud a little bit and be able to be the one that forces wins, steals games, everything like that. There we have seen for for so many years where the defense does this within the confines of the regular season and then the then in the playoffs at times when the defense just doesn't have it, sometimes the offense doesn't have the response. The only game that that wasn't the case was the Chiefs uh, Bills 13 seconds game in the divisional round. But they just, the way that teams go on runs, specifically in the playoffs, is if the offense is the one to take them there. And the Bills haven't peaked in that regard outside of, outside of that Chiefs game. So they needed their offense to take them to the next level, and we just saw it continue to drift backward. And not seeing that evolution, not seeing consistent results, not seeing the offense explode for big plays, that began to wear on the entire operation to the point where Sean McDermott felt like he needed to make a change. And the change came. I don't want to belabor the point too much longer because this is the post-game show. We, we just went through the whole Dorsey thing uh, on the last um, on the episode before the, the live room last week. But Brady comes in, and they're hoping for energy. They're hoping for fun, as rudimentary as that sounds. But Sean McDermott... I actually have not talked with you guys since Sean McDermott made these comments on Friday, but I thought they were pretty, they gave you a good window into maybe why the Bills made the decision that they did. And I thought it was most interesting based on what Sean McDermott said about the underrated quality of, of, you know, having fun, but on top of that, Josh Allen needing be needing to be the guy that did just that. Needing to have that energy because I think just even looking at him during press conferences after games, you could just tell, like, he had this very long stare. Never really reacted to huge moments. I brought up that that um, his reaction to his go-ahead touchdown against the Broncos with just a couple minutes to go last week and how he really just didn't have a response. And, and that being like, 
a little weird based on what we have seen from from Josh Allen. Like I, I remember Josh Allen um, Thanksgiving game against the Dallas Cowboys, fumbling the snap, picking it back up on a fourth down, and still getting uh, the first down on a fourth and short, and then jumping up and giving the I don't know the most furious first down signal with with his entire body <laughs> that I'd seen from him to that point like that's that's who I think the Bills want Josh Allen to tap into that's that's the guy and and when Sean McDermott have, have effectively said just getting him back to having that look in his eye and having some fun out there the guy that They've watched over the years, but also the one they saw in Wyoming. Going out there and having joy while he's playing. Maybe that was as much of a reason to make the switch at offensive coordinator as any. To kind of jar whatever was holding back Josh Allen loose a little bit. And this isn't at all about X's and O's or and we'll we'll get into some of the stuff that that Joe Brady did in this game that I thought was was definitely good and and a good first sign for his first game as as the Bills play caller. But I think the most glaring change was the engagement level of of their franchise quarterback. And that's not to say that he was disinterested by any means, in previous games. I think it really wore on him the fact that they were as inconsistent as they were and not putting up the points that they needed to, especially when the defense needed him. But also his reactions were just lacking a bit. And there were just, something was off. That Broncos game, he was not good. And he really cost them dearly. And I I think he knew it. And there have been other games like that where he was the reason that they lost the game. Patriots game, another good example. Jets game, obviously, the first one. They needed him to be so much more, and he just wasn't. And it's gotten to the point where Josh Allen has been good, not great this year. The six games leading up to this one, he was blatantly average. And combine that with just something seeming off and lacking maybe the energy they wanted. I think that was potentially the catalyst. And that changed in a big way. The Bills offense got off to a really good start. I mean, the special uh, getting the forcing the fumble on the opening kickoff certainly set them up for success to get some early points. And even though they they did not gain a positive yard over their first three plays. I think they were at negative nine yards over their first three plays. They still were able to put up points. They were just trying, they were just, you know, dipping their toes in the water, progressively getting better as the game was going on and getting more comfortable as the game was going on. And even when they were up 22 to six, it's still, and they were comfortably, Ahead. 
It did not seem like the Jets were going to come anywhere close, even with the game at 22 to 6. But it's still, it was that they were at a, a, a good level. And if they had stayed there and won that game 22 to 6, then it, this is a game that probably feels more like the Buccaneers win than, than what it ultimately felt like. But then the moment happened. To me, which I think can be an extreme catalyst to what they're doing. Because that this moment was the first time in a long time that I saw Josh Allen reacting the way that he used to. And that was the huge 81-yard touchdown to, to Khalil Shakir. Of course, that's a play that's going to generate a lot of energy because it's a huge play. It's 81 yards. Uh, Khalil Shakir made an incredible uh, play with the, with the yards after catch. Josh Allen's throw was outstanding, just getting barely past a uh, the arm of a defender and into the arms of, of Khalil Shakir, to which the receiver did the rest. You know, kind of getting to the, the sideline and then worming his way back through traffic and, and, and towards the middle of the field and eventually getting into the end zone. Like that was the play that kind of busted it loose because the Bills' offense in general have been lacking explosive plays like that. They got a lot more today. Like over their three touchdown drives, they had uh, six plays that went for 10 or more yards. And on those three touchdown drives, they averaged 10.4 yards per play or something like that. Helps when one of those is an 81-yarder by all means, but still, explosive plays. That's what happens. But the moment I'm talking about is... As Shakir went into the end zone, it did not take but a couple of seconds for Josh Allen to be basically screaming in his face in celebration. Like he sprinted from where they were all the way at the opposite end of the field. And even further than that, because he dropped back to pass, mind you sprinted basically the full length of the field just to get there so he could celebrate with Shakir. Now have that be a juxtaposition between what we that moment in time versus what we saw and what I referred to in that Denver game where he scores, he himself scores, the go-ahead touchdown with like two minutes to go against the Broncos, potentially helping them to steal a game that they did not deserve to win based on their offensive performance. And yet, even though he was two steps away from the stands and some fans having outstretched arms for him, he just calmly turned around from where he was and 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 ran back to the sideline. Now compare that to sprinting down the field 
and scream celebrating with, with Khalil Shakir on an 81-yard touchdown when they were already up by 16 points and had the game well in hand. That is what I'm talking about. And that can be the moment that kind of shifts this whole thing for them if they allow it to happen that way. If Josh buys into it that way. You can definitely tell he's a bit more reserved than he used to be. And sure, part of that can probably be, as he alludes to, like, you know, just evolving and getting a little older. Like, these things happen, but they want that fire. They want to see that fire. They want to see that energy. And and Sean McDermott believes it to be such a huge component of setting the overall tone. And even Josh Allen after the game said as much that a lot um, – a lot of the what they're trying to do in that energy feeds off of the quarterback position. So he understands. But it also has to be genuine. And that was such a genuine moment that I think can serve them well as they go on. So I don't want to base this entire show on vibes, but that I think... If, I, if they wind up making the playoffs this year and the offense continues on this path that they started against the Jets, I will probably look back to that moment in time as the reason that the Bills turned this whole thing around. I mean, think back to 2021. The second half of the Buccaneers game. They lost that game. But it was so important to them because it was the catalyst to something bigger. And all the same, this game against the Jets, game well in hand, it helped them advance from a 16-point lead to a 23-point lead. Effectively meaningless to the outcome of the game, to the outcome of their season. But because it was such a a vital moment where maybe it was like a cathartic release almost, I think that could wind up being a, a pretty important spot as they move forward. So we'll see, but... That energy, and that's the reason why I think, despite him getting absolutely crushed over the last five five days, I do think that McDermott deserves a modicum of credit, temporarily, mind you, because you know so often in sports, I, I think about like the I'm a big Premier League guy. Anytime uh, a manager gets sacked, they uh, the team usually comes out with a huge effort in in their first game. And you can really look at this across sports. I think about the Raiders game after uh, they just canned Josh McDaniels. And under Antonio Pierce, they, they were awesome in that first game. But there's also 
a reason as to why these teams are firing prominent coaches in the first place. And the general rule of thumb is that for these bad teams, when you make a decision like that, it usually winds up with the team going back to what they were before the firing happened eventually. So that's why when I say McDermott deserves credit temporarily, it's because he felt the overall temperature of what was happening within his building and knowing that the offense probably needed a little kick in the ass. And if he didn't do it before this Jets game, probably wouldn't have had a good opportunity to do it because they were likely, if Zach Wilson was playing, they were likely to win this game if Ken Dorsey was was still the offensive coordinator. But would they have had that same sort of fire heading into a showdown on the road against a really stinking good Philadelphia Eagles team? Maybe not. So for McDermott to pull that tab and get conceivably the most out of his offense in their first game without Ken Dorsey, I think knowing the overall um, outlook of the team and maybe the trajectory of where they're headed, I think having that awareness is is pretty good. However, and this is why it, it's only a temporary thing, it's all about making this output, maybe not winning by 26 points and and scoring uh and scoring uh 32 points maybe it's somewhere between 25 to 30 points and still winning the game regardless having that overall consistency taking care of the ball having the energy above all else if these if these things have to retain in order for this decision to remove a coach that was universally loved within the locker room to kind of jar them enough to say, okay, you got to wake up. The season is going to be gone before you know it. But it's all about having the consistency that McDermott has so desired for the offense to have. And showing that consistent energy. Because if they just fall flat against the Eagles or Chiefs and then that permeates through the rest of their season, then it was all for naught. And instead it goes from a conversation centered around Ken Dorsey in the offseason, which it probably would have had McDermott not fired him within the season, only 10 games in, and it would it would then shift to okay is McDermott on the hot seat heading into 2024 
is he a losing streak away from the Bills maybe making a decision on him in or after the 2024 season? Like, that's what he kind of opened himself up to. And I do think he he realizes that. So that's why it is so important for him to have analyzed the situation enough to, to where he believes that this short-term boost of a coach getting fired can be sticky, can continue on into what is really going to be a defining stretch of their season. These next four games, I've gone over them time and time again. You've probably gone over them yourselves. You probably know it by heart. At the Eagles, bye week, at the Chiefs, um, home against the Cowboys, at the Chargers. Can they get two of those? Can they get three of those? If they're greedy. Heck, four. Probably not four. But having that overall energy and that positive offensive outlook needed to happen. So... A good job by McDermott, one game in of this new offensive experience, we'll call it. Now it just needs to continue. So Joe Brady's debut. Uh, I think Brady's debut was good in the sense of it didn't feel like it was a forced game plan. It didn't feel like he was just making things up as he went along. It seemed like there was a method to the madness uh, pretty consistently throughout the game. Tried some stuff that didn't work. Got back to stuff that that did work previously in the season that they've kind of abandoned. Like one of those examples is getting back to 12 personnel a little bit. And this is something I wrote about over at The Athletic, but... Since Dawson Knox went on injured reserve ahead of the Jets game, the Bills had not run a single snap of 12 personnel, and that had become like part of their identity this season, something that they have wanted to do for years. But once Knox was injured, they recoiled. Didn't run a single snap of it. But against the Jets, they utilized 12 personnel with Dalton Kincaid and Quentin Morris on the field on seven of the team's 71 offensive plays. Went for 49 yards, seven yards per play. Good enough to make an impact and to give the Jets a different look. They ran the ball extremely well against a good good defense. I thought the offensive line was was excellent in this game as they have been for a lot of the year this year. And then Allen, on top of having the energy, always seemed like he had an answer to the test. And that is as good of an indicator as any that the Bills were on it this week from an offensive perspective. 
they were prepared for what the for what the Jets were going to throw at them. Heading into this game, the three games under Ken Dorsey, I'm going to have to go back and and find the stats because just to do a what they used to be or what they did under Dorsey versus what they did with Joe Brady at the helm. So in the three games over 2022 and 2023 with with Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator against the Jets, the Bills averaged only 287 total yards per game, 4.7 yards per play, only 176 passing yards per game, a third down conversion rate of 38.5%, and an interception rate that that um, doubled from Josh Allen's usual for the rest of uh, 2022 and 2023 up to this game to f- almost 5%. Their yards per game were down 100 against the against the Jets as opposed to all of the games they played in 2022 and 2023. Like it was the Jets had their numbers. But in this game, the Bills gain or had a total net yardage of 393 yards, which is over a hundred more than they had been averaging against the Jets in their those th- previous three showings. Their average uh Yards per play was 5.5 yards, which is again an increase from what they had been uh, from what they had been getting against the Jets. The third down conversion stuff stayed the same, right around that 38.5 percent. But the interception rate, especially because that only interception. Came when the Bills were at the end of the half, and it was just a, a big heave toward the end toward the end zone as time was expiring. But the passing yardage too that went up. So everything besides the third down conversion rate improved in this game against against the Jets from what they had done under Dorsey. Passing yards, two hundred seventy five passing yards. That's almost a hundred more than what they averaged in three games against the Jets in 2022 and 2023. So a really nice job by by uh, Joe Brady and the staff. From what Sean McDermott said, there was some good collaboration with the with the uh, positional coaches and and Joe Brady. McDermott said there was a leadership component to the position and he said he he liked uh what Brady did from a leadership perspective so that's all there um I will be taking a a hard look at at what the or how the Bills kind of did this stuff in, in the all 22 because it's it's kind of tough to look at it on a micro level when the game just happened and and it's more more of like a macro view of the game but even now you can you can just tell that the bills were intentional about wanting to 
wanting to have that that threat to run that McDermott has always alluded to and actually successfully doing so. They did a lot of good things from that perspective uh, against the Broncos, and they carried that over. A lot of tackle lead stuff, which Deion Dawkins was awesome doing that against the Broncos. Some RPO stuff. Like they were there a couple plays that probably they should leave behind? Yeah. Like the like the run out pitch to Ty Johnson that went for uh, for negative six yardage. Leave that. They tried the jet sweep thing with Deontay Hardy. Teams are ready for it with the Bills. They just they know it's coming, and Deontay Hardy is like a neon sign <laughs> that, that they might jet sweep it. So well, any and they they don't use him all that often anymore. And whenever he's on the field, they're they're probably perking their ears up, going, "Okay, this might watch out for the jet sweep." And so, I think that's just what happened. So things to learn, but also a lot of good things to take away from that game. So uh, the Bills overwhelmingly, I thought, had a really positive offensive performance. The energy, the fun factor from Josh Allen, it all plays into it. And like I said before, I will always think back to that Khalil Shakir touchdown and the ensuing celebration if the Bills manage to get into the postseason and, heck, maybe even make some noise. Who knows? They were their most dangerous of a playoff team in 2021. And that was... After they had to wake the hell up <laughs> after struggling for, for a bit of time. So we shall see. I do want to, before we get into the awards section, I do want to bring up the play of the defense because there were just some, there were some, some cool little wrinkles in there. Um, McDermott did something that I haven't seen him use yet before the season, and it resulted in a sack. Uh, they subbed out. It's either they're in, in dime with three safeties on the field, usually on, on a third down play, or they have two linebackers out there like, like they usually do. But they subbed out the linebacker slash safety for a fifth pass rusher. You see a team do that, that means they have zero fear of the quarterback burning them and taking a, a coverage piece off of off the field. They had two defensive tackles and, and three defensive ends in on the game rushing rushing at Zach Wilson with only Terrell Bernard. And then I believe at that point it was still Taron Johnson um, in the game before he, he had to leave with a concussion. And then the two corners, Razul Douglas, I uh, can't remember if it was still Dane Jackson or, or Christian Bedford at that point, and also the two safeties in, in Micah Hyde and uh, and Jordan Poyer. But that was a look I haven't seen them use before. And I'm not sure it's something I've ever seen from McDermott, period. I would have to go back and look at all my, all my game logs to see it. But it's so rare for him to take a coverage piece out on a third down for a fifth defensive lineman that 
I just don't know that, that he had done that before. And McDermott does like to leave little breadcrumbs in his defensive play, play sheets and, and plans for future opponents. And I wonder if that was a breadcrumb play on a random third down. They knew Zach Wilson wasn't going wasn't gonna to burn him. Best stat of the night is that Zach Wilson did not complete a pass to a, a, a wide receiver in his time in that game, which is absolutely bonkers to think about. Even more bonkers to think about the Bills having lost twice to Zach Wilson with him being as poor as he is. But that's not the, the case of this game. So that was an interesting wrinkle. Uh, some very clear Huge individual performances in this game. Uh, Leonard Floyd continues to be an absolute grand slam of a of a signing. The way that he has stepped in and stepped up and become their go-to pass rusher when if if they had an idea of what he would have been when they signed him, it was probably as their third pass rusher in in the hopes that Von Miller. And Greg Rousseau would be those top two guys. But Floyd has been far and away their best defensive end this season. And he just continues to bring it every single game. He was one of their best players on the field against the Broncos. Um, Did it again against the Jets. Two and a half sacks. Just a, he is setting himself for a humongous payday this offseason. Absolutely humongous. Even though he's up there in age. Is it going to be with the Bills? Probably not. They probably can't afford him, but they're just going to enjoy this while, while they can because he has been outstanding. Same thing with Ed Oliver. Oliver picked up another sack today. If y'all have, have listened to me over the years, even when the perception on Ed Oliver was not the best, I've been pretty consistent in saying that Oliver has... A, massive potential within the scheme, and B, been playing a lot better than people realize. And now people realize it because he's making splash plays on top of all the other stuff that that he did before this. The guy is just a really good player, an ascending player still. Still just getting into the prime of his career. And going in and, and dominating the way that he has after coming back from a little bit of an injury, the Bills have to feel very good about having Ed Oliver locked in for the long term on a really good contract as long as he keeps playing the way that he is. So those two guys were excellent. Rasul Douglas, just a, a tremendous trade deadline acquisition. He has fit in so seamlessly to their defense. He was great against the Broncos and it, and it wasn't even like a, a role, a, a, a performance that was so outwardly good on broadcast. It's just rock solid on film, constantly being where he needs to be, constantly being around the ball, uh, good coverage against some 
a, a pair of good receivers last week in, in Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I really like Ras- what Razul Douglas did. And then today to, to jump on two separate passes for interception and then being Johnny on the spot to uh, jump on a fumble for another one. Three turnovers on top of good coverage, good tackling, physicality. Like Rasul Douglas has been has been great since he got put into the starting lineup. And then Christian Benford, I thought, played pretty well, even though they thought he wasn't going to have to play today. So those two guys, Benford and Douglas, get used to it because I think that's probably going to be your starting duo for the rest of the season as long as they both stay healthy and then probably next year too because who the heck knows what's what's going to happen with Tredavious White and his uh, rehab from a torn Achilles but from what we saw and what we have seen from both of these guys you are looking at two above average two good cornerbacks within this defensive scheme and the Bills have to feel pretty good about that all right, let's get to the awards portion of the program. Uh, first up, we will go with the Dree Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in this game. And this is a tough one because they blew him out. Though I might have to go with, I don't know, maybe Sam Martin, the punter, just because... When you, it, it he did allow for a couple of, of uh, at least for one decent return. There was a kind of a short punt in there. Um, this has been kind of a thing for him the last couple of games, I think. But yeah, when, when in doubt, I suppose, pick something on, on special teams when there's, when there's a blowout that happened. And, uh, and that was certainly... A not a glaring candidate, but just a candidate for it. Uh, the Vontae Davis Award for the player that did not show up in the second half. Got to be Gabe Davis, even though he was a candidate for Dre Archer. Um, Davis. Gosh, did he even have a target in the second half? I know he had one target. Oh no, he's not even on the, on the target sheet. I thought they they counted one in the first half for him that was way overthrown. I at least have it on my stat sheet. So Allen threw in his general direction in the first half. In the second half, Davis was a was a bit of a no show, and it's two straight weeks now where Davis has failed to make an impact. It's going to be an interesting conversation in the offseason because he is a free agent. He has clearly been passed by Dalton Kincaid as the go-to second pass-catching option behind uh, Stefan Diggs. Khalil Shakir has continued to impress and that factors into the equation as well. And not to mention a really, from what it looks like right now, potentially strong wide receiver class in the 2024 draft. So that's all part of it. But 
for now, Vontae Davis Award goes to uh, Gabe Davis. Next up is the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise for good reasons. Has to be Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson, who had only one offensive snap to his name heading into this game, winds up in a hashtag revenge game. Catching three passes for 47 yards, including a 28-yard touchdown, carrying the ball three times for 11 yards, 58 all-purpose yards, played a bunch of special teams as well after some injuries happened, usually only plays on the kickoff return team uh, from what we have seen in past games, but had to step up and do that. So Ty Johnson absolutely gets that. Is he going to continue to get these opportunities in the coming weeks? Especially with the presence of Leonard Fournette on the practice squad. We'll find out. But cool story for Ty Johnson being able to uh, get one over on on his former team in the New York Jets. And then, let's see. Finally, oh, the the Sean McDermott got to watch the tape award. So, got to watch the tape on all of Deion Dawkins' penalties, honestly. He's been really good this year. Like, this has been one of his best seasons of, of his career. I would, I would put this year up against his season, I think it was 2019, if I'm not mistaken, where he just turned a corner, and it was like one of those years where it was – a put up or shut up year. They even said as much in the spring workouts leading up to it, but then he winds up getting named a captain. I think that year, I think it was 2019. So I would put his 2023 season up against 2019. And um, certainly when he came back from, uh, from his second bout with COVID uh, in 2020 is he was awesome. Once he came back from uh, through the rest of the year, but Dawkins has been really good this year. Took a few penalties in this one. Allowed his first sack. But I, I got to watch the tape to see Dawkins' full day because I thought the offensive line played pretty well today. And then finally, the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. Hmm. Who do I go with for this one? Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. Do I give it to Josh Allen? I don't know if I do. Yeah, I think I'll give it to Josh Allen because it looked like he had fun. A little bit, at least, on that Shakir one. So, take some perseverance to after going through the doldrums as, as he did, as they did, for as long as they did, for a month and a half, which is an eternity in one NFL season. So, yeah. I'll give the Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance to to Josh Allen for that. Okay. That's going to do it. Uh, So the Bills are 6-5. and They are next up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who, as of this recording, are atop the NFC and have only one loss, but they also play the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. So they could have a second loss by the time the Bills see them. But the Bills, three and a half point underdogs, which is not as much as I expected. 
which is interesting. And if you remember uh, on the last episode, the, the live room episode, felt like that that line for the Bills-Jets game where it was like six and a half, seven points, kind of felt like it was baiting a little bit to because the Bills just struggled on offense. They just, they fired their offensive coordinator. It's like, uh, maybe the Jets, they got a good defense. You can definitely work yourself into it. But that, that general logic, it's like, okay, well, that seems fishy. The three and a half seems fishy to me. So I guess we'll see. Um, all right. So that'll do it for me. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with me on this post-game episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills are 6-5, and five, and we'll see if they can keep this turnaround going on the road. My name is Joe Biscali. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See you then.